New studio looks good. Thanks. It does. I like it. I I mean, one of these days when we actually have a YouTube channel, people will get to, get get to, to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that, uh, you know, they would not have been able to see the the former studio in all of its <laughs> um, cubicle glory. Cubicle <laughs> glory, yeah. It was it was pretty bland, but it's coming around. Yeah, and you move all the furniture out. There's a lot of room in here, actually. Yeah. It used to seem so crammed. You're like, weave between the chairs and the table and the box <laughs> and the stacked up old mixing boards that didn't work out and the... yeah it was basically a storage unit slash podcast studio but <laughs> yeah now it feels it feels a lot better it feels feels like a i don't know it feels different yeah but yeah um i don't know sound feels pretty good too yeah it's not bad i i still it could use some stuff in that corner i think from my yeah. amateur ears yeah this it could use a little bit more over here on the on the left but you know I think once uh, once the bar gets moved back in, you yeah, know, we can actually this put not like yeah. cozies over all the bottles, and <laughs> have those <laughs> Some to foam. deaden the sound. <laughs> have a drink? No, you need to. It's for the sound. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's coming around. It's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, I mean, I was, there was a period there, whatever, um, where we did. Well, James, mm -hmm. and that was about three hours. And then we yeah. did the vid one, which is two yeah. plus. Okay. And the one, then the one right after that, the day after that, it was like a, a podcast every day for, I mean, it's not obviously, you yeah. know, Rogan style, but the next one was like three hours and 15 minutes or something. It would be. And then I just got burned out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, it'd be really hard to hold that schedule. And just keep having like meaningful conversations that yeah. are organic or whatever. I, I've scheduled, uh, I had to cancel a couple of them just because of events. I had a couple scheduled with some people um, that I was going <clears> to <throat> get after. And every time I was just like, eh, I don't really feel like it after. Yeah. You just, you just don't. You have to feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you try to get through it. And then I think everybody can tell. Yeah. Um, it was one of the recent long ones somebody who'd never been in a podcast before i was like yeah it's it take you know some people try and get their podcast done in an hour <laughs> but it always seems to us it like takes an hour for stuff to get good you know for yeah. people to get disarmed kind of or yeah. or comfortable or find you know you got to hit the hit the gutter yeah and bounce and then you can have a conversation or they but, or they run out of finally they run out of talking points or um, you know, the can oh, responses yeah. or so, something. Hi, we're here to promote your thing. And then <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to wait you out. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh, well, yeah you... Tell us what that URL is again. That people are going right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, we can see in real time that people are looking at your website. <laughs> you must feel very good about that. Please tell us how yeah. good you feel. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> this one, this one should be interesting. Uh, I think I was ready to do it last week but i kind of wanted to wait just to make sure yeah and sure enough things shift quite a bit oh my goodness i i just let let's say that the last three weeks mm -hmm. ha, um have um been f filled with extraordinary change but then it i think every day every minute is you know each hour that goes mm -hmm. by it's a 
some something more develops, things get uncovered, stuff that gets. Um, oh, I'm going to put it over here so I can mm-hmm. manage this other thing that's more demanding <laughs> and important. But then, that, and then that thing that's over there that you know, it, it starts growing. And you're like, I didn't fucking water you or give you any light, and here you are. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. I guess you could start with an overview of kind of a subject. Uh, I, I guess the the weird part, the, I guess the reason for doing it that I felt is that um, we do talk a lot. Um, and what dawned on me when this whole thing happened is that actually the stuff that we've been talking about was right. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, this, it's not lip service or it's not highfalutin philosophical garbage that just gets you to spiral and makes you feel smart it really it's it like i i feel like i've prepared for this um in a in a really fucked up kind of way um not obviously knowing it not knowing what you're preparing for but really learning to deal with hard concepts learning to approach things in the right kind of order and knowing how to put yourself or how to how to see yourself and put yourself in the world that you end up in and that that really made me think um or feel that i should probably like share the experience um so it's been wild i guess i could start back for kind of what happened i mean i'll just say Mm -hmm. that witnessing your grace and also your leadership in the last few weeks has been really special. <sighs> it, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, it's, it doesn't feel like that. Of course it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, it that's feels how you like know a, it's good leadership. Because <laughs> it feels like a train wreck. <laughs> it's like, man, I'm just barely keeping my shit together. And, uh, yeah yeah the so um i guess it would it would be uh, a little more than three weeks ago so it would be around november 14th 13th and 14th um air, uh london was at her dad's house and um her neck hurt and so she was just texting her mom like oh my neck hurts really bad and of course <laughs> like Aaron's like, oh, I'll send you over a massage therapist. We know some people and we have some trusted yeah. people. Like, you shouldn't have a sore neck. Like, you probably slept on it funny. That's okay. So she in London was like, oh, no, I just don't feel up for that. I was like, okay, spoiled little brat. Like, yeah. <laughs> offer you, like, offer you God, f- we really give her everything. Like, if I would have had a sore neck and my dad would have got me a massage there, I would have been like, this is awesome. Like, actually, it's just teaching you how to take care of yourself, which is the real thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a day, uh, day goes by or something and Aaron the next day, Hey, how's your neck? She's like, Oh, it still hurts really bad. Um, and then now she's like, but you know, I don't, I don't feel good. I've had a fever for three days and immediately we're like, wait, what? Your neck hurts and you have a fever. You need to get to a hospital. Like <laughs> why, why did no one tell us about this? Yeah. And this happens a lot with, with Aaron's ex. He just, I think it's, you know, not to, to put any kind of like blame on him. I think it's a feature of being a dad and not a real, not, not to say a, a real caretaker, but not the primary caretaker. 
you don't want to ever appear like you're doing something wrong. So if you think somebody's just sick, you just kind of like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. They'll recover. And then, you know, I don't want to alarm anybody. Um, but we were immediately kind of under the impression. My first thought was spinal meningitis. Oh, yeah. F uh, fever and it, sore neck. Yeah. And then, I, uh, we'd have some somewhat <sighs> recent experience with yeah. that. I, I mean, it's just like. I, and I've told people this before. Like, I mean, when J Josh Goldstein was in town and he was arguing whether or not fucking viruses exist. Yeah. Um, which is funny because we talked about spinal meningitis. We talked about MRSA. And I was like, well, do me a favor. All of this is fine. Like, you can go whatever wormhole you want and whatever Reddit yeah. f forum or fucking 4chan, whatever the bullshit you're figuring out about your life. If you, you do jujitsu, and so if you ever, you know, get a sore neck and you have a fever, and I name the symptoms exactly how we know that Paul succumbed to them yeah. and, and other people. And I was like, just go, do me a favor, go to hospital, because if it's bacteria meningitis, you'll, you're dead in like three or four days, max, right? Like sometimes it's like 24 hours. Yeah. And so we talked about it. Funny enough, like two, uh, when we had COVID, um, Josh got meningitis viral meningitis yeah uh not he, confirmed through spinal tap but he had you know brain swelling all the symptoms of yeah. it so and it just to be mind. clear he was in a different state yes from yeah. us yeah yeah like, no geographically yeah, yeah. not right the other but i was like in my head i go oh shit maybe this disease is like spread like because kind of everything is weird you yeah. don't know colds are worse flus are worse um symptoms are changing it our immune systems are not in a normal state because of lack of exposure or changed exposure. So I thought like, oh shit, maybe she got spinal meningitis. So both me and Aaron were like, get her to a hospital. So she went to LDS hospital on, I want to say the 13th. And Aaron, Aaron's, you know, talking to her. They go there, um, her and her dad, because she's at her dad's house. And they run a whole bunch of tests. They even eventually get a spinal tap in. We like, you know, it's it's, close enough symptoms that I kind of <clears throat> we push for that and they get it and she clears pretty much all the cultures that they do kind of all the all the diagnostics that they can normally run they're like ah it's probably just a really bad flu and it might be cool it might be a coincidental with like a neck pain or something yeah so they're going to discharge her and a doctor came down to look at it because it was a weird case yeah and they couldn't really figure it out but they're just going to put her on antibiotics and send her away and he looked at it and he looks at her her um, blood oxygen and he goes, oh man, how long have you been here? And he looks at the original ones, looks and he's like, I have five hours. It's like, your blood oxygen has never come back. It's like below 80. It was like, you need to go to primary children's like immediately. And so this is at one in the morning. So last we heard. And that's like a Tuesday or? Um, that was Sunday night. I think that was Sunday okay. night because uh, we woke up on Monday morning thinking that they last we heard they're at the hospital. They're getting discharged with an antibiotic, that right. kind of thing. We woke up and they're at primary children's and then she's in the ICU. Yeah. And we're like, well, what uh, the fuck didn't you call us? Like, oh, you were sleeping again. Just, we, you know, yeah, yeah just a, a weird kind of like, you know, no one's going to be mad that you got a hold of them to tell them that their child is in the insta care <laughs> or, or intensive Inten care intensive unit. care yeah. so more than insta right <laughs> yeah it's so um she or aaron immediately went down to the hospital on monday um and for whatever reason it, it we kind of took it seriously right off the get-go like she brought clothes she was camping like she she just yeah. knew she was going to be there 
um, until, you know, they figured it out and that, that was fine. So, um, we drove her up to the hospital. She got all checked in. She was on oxygen, but only like a liter something per hour, not very much yeah. uh, to stabilize her. Uh, they started doing CT scans. They started doing <clears throat> uh, scans of her heart scans of kind of everything. Like it was a, strangely enough, it was full blown right from the get go. Um, and, um, she just steadily declined pretty much every 10 hours. She kind of took a notch down and then she required more oxygen. Um, and they really couldn't see, and they, they scanned her lungs. Everything looked fine. Um, there was no culture for infection, but the way these things go, how I understood it and how I understand it now, even more is that when you, the, the kind of triage for lack of a better term, um, is when you come in and they don't know what it is and they don't really have any idea. Um, she was most obviously inflamed, but if okay. the inflammation stems from something other than an infection and they treat the, the inflammation with a steroid or something to calm the inflammation down, yeah. they risk missing the infection and then the infection can kill you if they miss it. So they have to kind of, they really have to make sure that they know that it's not a very specific infection and with her neck it started to swell so they looked they're like oh man her lymph is probably infected that's kind of what they're thinking and then 24 hours later they do another ct scan of her lungs and her lungs are blown so you have hemorrhaging they think or some kind of vast fluid in the lungs and now they want to upgrade her to bypass because she's getting very little oxygen herself, which would make sense because of the hemorrhaging. They also noted that her liver had enlarged and her spleen had enlarged. She's, get, she's getting, uh, her, her, her organs are being attacked. Yeah. They think, okay, now they start thinking it's uh, uh, MISC, which is a multiple inflammatory system response disorder that can stem from uh, COVID. Okay. She had COVID eight, six to eight weeks before this. So they're really looking at that like, okay, it, it looks sure. like it's going to be it. But it's not lining up. Most of the doctors go. But that's also the thing that's like foremost in everyone's mm-hmm. consciousness as well. COVID, of yeah. like, Which would be, I think in this era, especially be really difficult as a doctor facing someone you know, thing that they haven't yet diagnosed yeah. to not have that be the, have the most gravitational pull oh. as something COVID related because sure. of what's happening. Yeah. You go home, it's on the news. You go to the hospital, it's in the hospital. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of every protocol, every part of your life is looking at this one disease. So they're really trying to match up MISC. And there's a couple of things that just don't fit. The worst symptoms do not match anything. And it's a new disease though. So they're like, maybe it's not presenting itself normally because we haven't seen that many. It's not yeah. like it, they've only seen this for the last year or so okay. tops. Um, and they are seeing it in kids and they're like, you know what? Like if it, w- let's hope that it's that. And if it is, we'll give them a steroid and it calms down. It's, it's not deadly. It's just like an inflammatory response after, but they're like, we've never seen it six weeks out or eight weeks out. That's not normal. And also the neck thing and the and the lung thing that's not normal either. So they're they're going back and forth. And I forgot the lady's name, but they, she's essentially the the worldwide expert on MISC. And so okay. they're consulting with her, and they do this two hour conference to go over all of her all of her charts, everything. And the lady at the end goes, "It's not it." Like the lady who knows the most about this is like, "It's not this, it's not that." Yeah. So they're like, "Okay, let's like tuck that away and start looking at other things." So. Now she's on bypass and she's... Which basically means they're they're pulling her blood out, oxygenating nope, not it. Not yet. Okay. No, no, that's, um, that's ECMO. Okay. 
Um, not not quite. That didn't happen till later. Um, a bypass is basically, you know, uh, an assisted inflation of your lungs, yeah. forced air in. Yeah. Okay. And so I think like she was at twenty over eight, uh, and then she, you know, once you get to twenty over ten, they really try to intubate because it's so painful. And th- this is kind of where it turned. And they're drawing her. Bl- I mean, her veins collapsed because they were taking so many samples. It was just at some point we really had to look at it like okay how, like it at some point she needs to rest you can't keep poking her like a lot yeah. of her inflammatory response has to be because she's not settled down but they start talking about intubating her mostly because she's really compliant she's being super tough i mean she hates needles and she just grit her teeth and dealt with everything we threw at her and she just she was handling it, but we knew compliance was going to be a problem. And we figured if we could put her under intubator, it would give her a little bit more rest and okay. actually take some of the like pain away. So I talked about doing it, but they kind of want to do it at the same time as taking a biopsy of the lymph and also doing a bronchioscope to see what the fluid in her lungs were, whether it was hemorrhaging, whether it was blood, right. what, what it was. Sure. And so we we're like, okay, we can, it, it seems because with the external scans, all they can see right. is the, that the, the fluid is present exactly yeah. so um that seemed like the no nonsense thing to me uh we had some friends here who have connections to um a pulmonologist in georgetown who's very well known in that and so we were sending all of this stuff to her and she's looking at it confirming yeah they're on the right road they've got to get to that lymph make sure it's not an infection and then then you're, you're in the clear that seems where the money's at and then we had uh, another um uh pediatrician who deals with complicated cases with kids who is also kind of confirming everybody's saying the same thing uh we had the entire infectious disease unit up um we had um i I mean when you looked at the scale of it there was no less than 50 doctors paying attention just to her they were very freaked out because they had no idea what was going on so people were coming in constantly checking on us and, and later we kind of found out why um, why it upgraded so quickly. Uh, but at this point, we know very little other than, man, she's declining very, very fast. And there's some weird things going back and forth with her organs failing, her lungs failing. Um, and she started getting arrhythmias in her heart. So we have some symptoms of her heart not managing the stress well. But it could have been anything. It could sure. have been, you know, um, it really could have just been a bad reading. Um, and... So we we kind of all agreed to just, you know, this seems like the right course. So she's going to go under, you know, I, I let, you know, I had stuff to do here. So I kind of take off to run some stuff down here. They put her under. I get a phone. I just get a message from Aaron that says, you got to get here now. And so I dropped everything, raced up there. You know, I got there. I got to primary children from here in like 12 minutes. <laughs> I was doing like 130 on 4 South. Yeah. It was probably not safe. Um, but I can't believe your your spaceship that you drive <laughs> didn't sort of <laughs> limit some tele- of your behavior. I guess you didn't have your phone <laughs> yeah, on yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we got there and it turns out they, they went to go put her under. And she immediately went into cardiac arrest. So I came in about 20 minutes into that procedure. She was still not, her heart was not working yet. They had been doing CPR for 38 minutes before they got it back. Um, the best to my understanding was 38 minutes of CPR, chest compressions, oxygen. But they believed that 
they got it back. They were pumping, they okay. were moving blood the entire time, making sure it was oxygenated. They were pretty sure they did a good job. They also got it, her on ECMO, which is full on life support, which is, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do it depending on how much support you need. She needed everything. So they have a difference between arterial and venous canalas, cannonels, uh, can't remember what they call them, but basically, they basically hijack your blood system. One, uh, one in your femoral, one in femoral, one in the other femoral, one in arterial uh, carotid side, and then venous exit. And so she has four because she's just like that weird age where two can't do it. So she's fully plugged into life support where it takes the blood out and it moves it through a machine, oxygenates it, and puts it back in. Um, there's some really, so I mean, from what I understand, um, these machines are fairly rare, let alone experts that go with them. We happen to be in a state that probably has one of the best teams in the world. Um, and they were there wow. right when it went on. So they actually got it in her in 15 minutes. They had her on ECMO, which I think is a record. So they were fairly confident that they got her back, got her blood flowing. Everything's fine. EEG, all of that stuff is coming back. They come up to tell us, okay, like she's on life support, but we got her. You can like, you can relax. We're going to like finish. We're going to take her up into ICU and you can go see her. She'll be out for a while. And how we understand it at this point is she's just going to be in a probably a medically induced coma okay. for, until we figure out what's going on. But funny enough, when they're, it, they didn't even get to the part of the surgery. So they weren't able to do any of the surgeries, but one of the, when they actually had to, when they, when they realized that they weren't getting the right values, they had to enter another canella into her arterial. They were like, it's on the way. They did the biopsy and got the lymph on the way to it. They were just oh, like, grab okay. it now. So they, they actually got it. And we, we got the biopsy. We couldn't do the bronchio, uh, bronchioscope, but we got the biopsy, the lymph that's being sent away. As soon as we figure that out, we'll know exactly. Everything in yeah. the morning is anti-inflammatories. We're going to put her on. You know, th There's a couple other drugs. The weird part is you got to kind of disable their immune system. And this is the dangerous part about this inflammatory. Uh, so they put her, they figure that it's autoimmune generated at this point, that her okay. immune system is destroying her body and they need to shut that down. So it's this very weird drug that has really good success with this kind of stuff. So they're going to put her on three drugs. I forgot the other two, but that's kind of the gist of it. Um, so we're like, okay, we're safe. We're good. Uh, Aaron, you're going to, you know, stay sleep a little bit if you can. She's basically in a coma everything's fine. Her dad was, was there. Um, and you know, after some panic, we kind of, okay, we went up to the ICU. We saw her, she's definitely out coma. It's a freaky situation just based off of the machine that she's hooked up to. Um, but we talked, oh, I can't imagine seeing her like in a, I don't, yeah, it's, it's kind of unreal and they're hooking up. Um, little receptors all around her skull because one of the side effects of ECMOs, A, because they interrupt the femoral, her left leg could die because they're taking blood flow out oh, of that. Right. So they're running another blood flow through it just so that the muscles don't die. But they told us right off the bat, it is not 100%. She might lose her leg. And you're like, wow, fuck, man. And looking at the, I don't, I don't have a medical background by any means, but looking at her lung her lung scans i was like god i don't know that much about this but i have seen some stuff this is like a three-year recovery to get her lungs back her lungs look completely fucked 
Like I've seen, this looks like worse than emphysema. Like it, like I've seen wow. scans yeah. of certain things. So I'm like, fuck, she's, I mean, she's disabled for the next like five to six years in my head, just thinking. And then if she loses a leg, you're like, man, this is like, it's getting bad. So they start putting these little transmitters on her head because the other side effect is because they interrupt the arterial blood flow from the carotid, your brain is fed from both sides. But because they interrupt that, it can only feed off of the left side. So they're, they're counting on the left side carotid to come over and kind of like deliver blood to the whole brain. But at some point, they're trying to read the EEG because I want to see if there's like a if it's, continuity. They're yeah. going, oh, she, some, she could, her brain could be dying. Um, that, I mean, that's kind of how serious it is. So I, I, I'm going to go home and take care of all the stuff. Aaron's going to stay. And this is like, you know, we probably got out of there 10 PM or something. We're yeah. in the waiting seven, eight hours. Um, and so I headed home and this Could, is like 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, uh, thir- Thursday night. Th- Thursday night. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yes. I get home and Aaron's talking to me, you know, we're texting back and forth. I can't sleep. She can't sleep. So I'm like looking at instruments on KSL, like dumb ones that I fucking probably shouldn't buy. Just trying to distract myself and something just feels weird. And then Aaron texts me and she's like, Hey, we're going, we're going to get a CT scan. And I was like, no, like, like, they said nothing for a while. They yeah. said, it's, it, she said, we just wait. Right. She's like, no, they're taking her. And I was like, all right, I'm coming back. And so she texts me. Well, it turns out around 1245, maybe 1 AM, her left pupil blew, though so dilated farther than the others, uh, farther than the other. And they're like, that's not a good sign. Cause it's a sign of a stroke. Yeah. And she also had kind of a heart arrhythmia kind of thing that happened at the same time. So she, her heart, which was very low. And, and this is where it gets weird. Cause you have, you have ECMO, which is a steady state. So you have a, like a, a mean, uh, what would they call like a mean heart rate, right? Like the rate at which they're delivering blood for you. Which is determined by the machine. Yeah. And then underneath there, you have your own heart. And her heart actually was starting to come back, right? And then it fluttered up pretty high, up to 170 something. So there, yeah, there's like something happened. And so they checked her pupils. Left one was blown. They're really afraid that she stroked. Yeah. So they take her down, CT scan. They do a CT scan. I get there by the time they get back. And uh, Aaron and and Brooke are, you know, they're like trying to wake her up. Hey, hey, London, in there, and I, I walked in, and I, the normal nurse was just taking a break, so there's two girls here, just making sure the ECMO machine's fine. Yeah, it's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, they said to try to wake her up, and I was like, no, stop, stop what you're doing. Like that, this isn't. They have a team of like fifty fucking people. If they have a job to do, they're not going to have you do it if it's important. And I was like, just stop. And I was like, you guys need to go to sleep. So. I was like, I'll, I'll watch her for a minute. Like Aaron, you can go sleep on the couch. And we gave us another room, like a family room and Brooke went home and, uh, the nurse came back and I was just like, you need to tell me what the fuck is going on. Like immediately, like I need to know. And then I can figure out how best to kind of navigate this stuff. And he goes, well, you know, the CT scan isn't back yet, but we're really afraid that she stroked. And I was like, okay, so why are they trying to wake her up? Because we were under the impression that she would be in a medically induced coma. He goes, well, we thought she would come out of the uh, anesthesia and then we would have to sedate her again. She never came out of the anesthesia. She is in a natural coma right now. We, we can't wake her up, which means one of two things. 
Um, and honestly, you know, there's no brainwave activity. Her EEG is flat. So, okay, so her brain isn't online, which could mean sleeping, kind of, coma, something, or brain dead. And I was like, so what happens if she doesn't wake up? And you go, well, in 12 hours, we start talking about end of life. So this went from, you know, zero to 60 pretty quickly. Oh, Um, and then from 60 to 120. And then to zero real fast. Um, And you don't... You don't really know how to handle it, but um, you just, you just, you kind of know that it's the worst case scenario. You just feel it. And I think at that point I was texting you because yeah. I knew. Um, <clears throat> so I sat by her side for, uh, I don't know, three or four hours. <clears throat> I just sang to her. And something about it, it's like she wasn't receiving it. Like she wasn't there. And I kind of knew she was already gone. And I got this feeling, this really weird. So that's like, that's the practical side of it. The, the medical side of it but then it shifts really quickly because you're not dealing with medical anymore you're you're in a different realm yeah um and i text one of our really close friends <clears throat> who's i don't know oh, she's a witch i don't know what she is but she knows about this kind of stuff and i just said i feel like she's stuck in between Right. And she's like, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. She's like, okay, well, here's how you call somebody in. And she started describing like how to visualize and and use your energy to bring their energy back through. And I, I like started to do what she told me and I stopped and I was like, her brain's dead. Like if she, she might be able to come back in here, but she's going to be trapped. Her brain swelled for sure. And it's probably done for. She's going to be in a vegetative state kind of no matter what. And then Aaron kind of came in at that point. Uh, I hadn't told her yet, um, but I kind of knew talking to you and from what the nurse said that I didn't have much time. So I kind of wanted her and I didn't want to be the negative person who who's like too real because I'm always too real. And so I told her, it's like, hey, um, they're going to start talking timelines with you. I'm going to be the realistic person. I will talk to them. I need you to be the positive person, right? You, no matter what, you double the timeline. So if they say 12 hours, you say 24. If they say 24, you say 48. You just need, like, we need more time to figure out what's going on. And if you trust me, when I say it's over, it's over. But don't, like, you don't have any negative thoughts about it until I tell you that it's time. So we kind of made this agreement and she was standing wow. over her for a little bit. Um, she was talking to her and then she kind of stopped and sat down and put her head down. And we kind of both fell asleep for a minute. <clears throat> um, and then um, later she would tell me kind of what she felt. But in the morning, it was like seven in the morning or something. Um, 
we slept maybe like 45 minutes while they're coming in and changing certain things and just uh, it was kind of a weird atmosphere and then a cardiologist came in uh, I was like oh, okay guys I'm here I'm gonna do the other scan uh, we're gonna check out our heart this is what it entails and I was like why the fuck are you here <laughs> and he was like um well we got to make sure we can get her heart back i was like no, no her brain isn't working if anybody should be here it should be a neurologist and they're not here so it means that it isn't gonna work so there's no need to look at her heart until we figure out where her brain is so they brought in there like he was like you guys need to have a different conversation so they brought in the the doctor who's kind of oversight dr smith who's really we didn't get along at first because I had too many questions, <laughs> but, but I appreciated his honesty and a lot of them. And so um, I told Aaron, Aaron, you stay out of this conversation. Um, you know, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to stay here. You and Brooke can go in there and talk to him. And he goes, no, this conversation is only going to happen once. And you, there's no interpreting this. You need to come in the room. Um, they uh, basically, they knew her brain was dead. So he goes, there's no if, ands, or buts that she is a hundred percent gone. Now, this is where it gets hard because you're going to still have to pull the plug. It's still a decision because her heart still has, there's two systems, right? You have the mushroom and the stem. The mushroom is all the thought and all of the brain activity. The stem is all the cardiorespiratory system. They can run independent of each other. You don't need conscious thought to get all the machinery to yeah. work. But he, he put it pretty clearly that the compassionate thing to do is to not let somebody be in a permanent vegetative state. And that's what we're looking at. There's no, there's absolutely 100% zero chance of her brain coming back. Maybe her heart will come back, but you'll never have your person. Like they died um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so there's one more test that they had to do to, to validate it, but she'd already failed the other two. Um, one of them is reaction, um, in the throat reaction. And then they have an eye rat two two things to confirm, um, your brain being out based off of two eye reactions and a throat. I think it's like they scrape the throat and if there's no gag reflex or there's no like uh, visceral response, your brain is pretty much gone. Um, so, I mean, we kind of decided pretty much immediately that, yeah, it was kind of over. Um, and it turns out Aaron had kind of felt the night before when she was grabbing her hand, telling her to come back, you know, she kind <clears> of <throat> channeled whatever weird shit that parents channel. <laughs> and, um, she asked, actually, can you come back or should you? And she said she felt her come by her right side and say, I can't come back. Like, this body's gone. She's like, it's going to be okay. You just have to trust me. And Aaron was able to trust that to whatever that was. She was able to go, oh, no, she's gone. She left um, for whatever reason. So about five, maybe five minutes after they pull the plug, the the biopsy for the um, lymph came back. And at first we thought she went into cardio uh, cardio uh, respiratory failure because um, maybe it's a bad mixture of anesthesia is what we were first were told. 
And then they quickly walked that back. They were like, no, 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 no. It was the disease. And we're like, uh, you know, either like, guys, we, you know, we're doing, you're doing everything. Like, I know yeah. you have to worry about this kind of stuff, but we just want to know what happened. No one could have known if she had a bad reaction. It might've just been the stress. It could have been a combination of both. Like, I don't know the mechanics of um, anesthesia, but it's not the easiest thing on your body. Yeah. And she might not have handled it well. It might not have been an allergic reaction, but for whatever reason. Um, but now the biopsy came back and they basically diagnosed her with HLH, which is a, I mean, it's really hard to pronounce. I got to pull it up. I, I had, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. And so it, it's a, it's essentially a, a there's two forms of it. There's a inherited form of it and there's a developed form of it. They think she had a developed form. And the it. developed form, it's like a, or acquired, mm. but it's based on immune system or overactive. Yeah. It's autoimmune. Or, okay. It's definitely classified as autoimmune, uh, autoimmune uh, inflammatory disease is where, where it comes from. So they, if you look, if you track back maybe one or two years, um, she's had a lot of symptoms of it. Um, it's a really rare disease. It's highly fatal. Um, I mean, I, the, yeah, the percentage, I mean, they're like, go to the Mayo Clinic yeah. explanation or whatever of, uh, um, I mean, you can read through their optimism <laughs> yeah. to, to what the, the underlying truth is that especially in uh, children. Yeah. The, the children, I think is the worst. It, sometimes it's as bad as like 90% failure. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it as high as like a 25% success rate, but that, okay. I, I don't know. You're basically looking at on the bad side of a coin drop, yeah. no matter what you're like, you're throwing a coin, maybe you're throwing four coins and at least three of them are all tails. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that... so, uh, and the doctor was very clear about it. He goes, to be fair, you, you guys should know there was never a chance. Like there just isn't. Even if diagnosed immediately on the the Saturday, the Sunday, whatever, it didn't. Yeah. I mean, from what I read, it didn't look like there. It's just you can't like stop it this, once it goes. Yeah, this is uh, a speeding whatever, and uh, and that that really is kind of, as bad as that is as terrible as a thing to hear. That is one of the most reassuring things. Oh my god, that you could actually hear because you're like fuck, like. We didn't do anything wrong and somebody's still dead. Yeah. Like nobody, we had some of the best care that anybody could have ever gotten. Um, and upgraded. And it turns out um, a close friend of ours that comes here kind of knew what was going on. I knew she was a primary. And so they knew a nurse that worked there who's also a friend of ours that we didn't really know worked there. And she's out right now. Um, and they basically called her like, Hey, uh, Aaron's daughter's there. Like, what can, what can we do to make sure like, you know, they're okay. She called up there the very first day that she was there, talked to the, the, you know, the place we were in and just said, Hey, this is a friend of mine. Just make sure they're taken care of. And that was really the reason we got upgraded so fast. I mean, they were just like snap into it. Like, we're like, fuck, this seems like it's escalating quickly, but it's because somebody, you know, made a phone call that we didn't know. We had no idea uh, behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, because of that, there's a lot of closure in in just knowing you're like, you did 
every last thing that is humanly, technologically, and emotionally supportive of this situation. Yeah. The the hard parts with it are fuck, man. No, I never would have thought in a million years that would have been the last time that I said bye to her. You know, in the corner. Hey, I'll see you in a little bit. And for Aaron, tough too because, man, she really didn't want that fucking bypass on like she she hated it she's like i just want to be able to communicate with you guys and i can't talk and it's really uncomfortable it's really scary and we're like i know like you know they're doing but this is going to save your life um and at some point uh aaron was like you know before she went under she's like how do you feel are you like i know you're in a lot of pain but how do you feel and she goes i feel like i'm not going to be okay She's like, it's gonna, don't say that. Like, you need to stay positive. Like, I know all this stuff is scary, you know. And before she went under, you know, Aaron told her, like, I'm gonna be here when you wake up. Which is true. She just never woke up. Yeah. Um, at least how, you know, we envision it. So. <sighs> I don't think I don't think somebody this sounds super unfair but I don't think you could have a real life experience without this like this kind of devastation is so fucking terrible but it also puts everything else into perspective. I really didn't like humans before. Like I really didn't have, <clears throat> I didn't have a good appreciation. And now I could say that I do. Um, Cause the people that showed up to just be there for us, It's, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen out of one of the most horrible things I've ever felt. It's true. <laughs> that the people and the energy flowing towards this um it's, it's it's beautiful and then there's another side to that coin I, I think I would like to say the whole thing is in our case and this is kind of the weird thing about it is like everybody's experience is so different um, I mean I I met London when she was two so I raised her for 11 years um for most of that time she was just a quirky fun kid like i always thought she was so funny she was just so weird um she was like a tiny adult like we never had to we never once had to punish her there was never disciplinary action in our house ever in fact she had more integrity than any person that i've ever met we once offered her 300 dollars to fucking swear well if you drop an f-bomb 
we'll give you $300. But it didn't start out as 300 no. It escalated yeah. to that to try and tempt her. <laughs> yeah, it was like 100 bucks, 200 bucks, and then 300 bucks. And she's like, no, I won't do it. And we realized like, it doesn't matter how much money. Yeah. Like she wasn't going to do something because she felt it was important to not do something or to be a certain way. And you're like, I don't know what, maybe kids have that initially or some kids have that, but everybody loses it eventually. And that's the corrupting part of life. Um, are almost immediately, I, it, I can't say, cause it's, it's a wave for sure. Um, the shock lasted about a week. Yeah. And then the, the shock, and now it's like, you know, the, all the similar cycles that come kind of in and out. There's, Sadly, there's not as much anger as I expected. Um, man, I thought I was going to go dark pretty quickly, and that really hasn't happened. But there's not a... Um, because of how it happened, I, it, there's not a focal point yeah. for anger. Yeah, in which case we're extremely lucky. Yeah. Right? Like if there's any question or regret or something like that, that's real suffering. Oh yeah. Um, this was short and fast. And and this is, <laughs> I mean, it took Aaron's mom's dying for me to understand endurance. I mean, she battled breast cancer for 10 years. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I learned that concept and how I saw it supported was through that. And that's how I wrote about it. It was like, her death really like triggered me being able to know and understand it. And now that I'm in the middle of the capacity manual that deals with intensity, I've never felt something so intense. And these are all really dark concepts, but they're all really real. They're all, they all prove to what we've been talking about the entire time. They're like, this has nothing to do with exercise. It, it has to do with understanding yourself and understanding life and understanding how to handle some of the hardest things that a human being can handle. It's how to, you know, it, it's how to prepare. You're training yourself how to deal with the world, not just a physical event. Not, you know, we had a friend of ours that they read the endurance thing and they're like, you know, he text message. It was nice enough, but it was kind of poking at them. Like, really? I've never met, like, I've never met an endurance athlete that was loving. You know, they're all very selfish. And was, first of all, I kind of agree with you, but also that's not what I'm talking about. But also you're standing in very shallow water right now. Right. <laughs> I, and I was like, you know, um, he said it on a weekend that I had just spent, we spent like 48 hours in the hospital with my grandmother when he texted me that because she had a stroke and we're just sitting at her bed for 48 hours. I go like, it's really easy to endure actually when it's something like this and that ended it that like ended the conversation it's like yeah. oh yeah that was a fucking total trivial remark on something that i wanted to make about fitness right <laughs> and this is no different the intensity a that the shortness of life is kind of a beautiful thing in some cases this one is one of them um, we can say without a shadow of a doubt that london had a very perfect life one of one of the most beautiful she she traveled the world she did exact we gave her 
what she wanted because she was not a selfish, she was not like a gratification kind of kid. She just loved to cook and sing and dance around and be with us. So she asked Aaron kind of years ago, um, which is like, I, I just don't want you to leave for a long time again. Cause you know, we went and did a job. She was away for two months or something. She was just like, that's all I want. Like, you don't have to give me anything else. I just want to hang out with you. So that's why a big reason why we rearranged our whole life, how it is, is so Aaron could hang out with London and she could hang out with us. And so that, that was kind of the whole focal point uh, of pretty much everything that we did was how to incorporate her and make sure that she was okay with it. And in the past two years, about two years ago, we had an interesting relationship because it was very, we're, we're the same kind of temperament. We're both very stubborn. In fact, we have the same human design, which is really funny, which is funny because we had her human design read and it like kind of, she really paid attention to that. She started like shifting herself, knowing what, what made her less satisfied in life and which gave her, you know, good satisfaction, what gave her a deeper connection to the things that she did, which is really funny that a 13 year old could do that. <laughs> Much, I mean, and starting at age 11. <laughs> and that's, yeah, or 13. Yeah, she just like, yeah, 11. I think it was 11 when she got it done. And, um, and then two years ago, I kind of had this realization that I'd really like put her in a box to try to not connect with her to a certain degree. Um, and I noticed it. And other things made me notice it too. And so one day Aaron was getting something done. And I was like, can I take London to the park with the dog? And she's like, yeah. So we went over to the park. And I kind of, something dawned on me that I was treating her like I treat myself. Right? Like I like harsh discipline. I like this kind of deal. Yeah. And I was like, that that's such a myopic way to teach somebody. So I went and explained how I thought I've made a mistake by being a little bit too harsh on her. And she just smiled at me and she was like, I know, I knew you'd come around eventually. And she's always been kind of the adult in, in almost all frameworks. She would say kind of the most asinine, but true things in such a weird capacity. And I like a lot of the things you can go back through the podcast and listen, like I always bring up things that she says or things that she does because I was always learning something from her. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's weird. How you like, how she looks at the world that way. Um, and so it was two years ago that I quit calling her my stepdaughter. It was just, I made a shift after that. that that's not fair um, to her to put a, a you know, a, a level, like a, a difference in there. Yeah. When I don't feel that there's any difference there. Like I don't, I don't take anything away from her dad. Her dad loves her very much. She had a very good relationship with her dad, but we had something different and it was different. And it was a father-daughter relationship. And that was such a good thing to recognize when I did, because it would have probably destroyed me worse. But things shifted after that, and we just had an understanding for certain things. Um, how we interacted shifted. Um, you know, it was kind of funny because she she doesn't really she never really she'd always make fun of me for certain things like learning music or you know when I was learning like Mongolian throat singing, she'd be like, she, I would be like practicing and she'd come in and she'd go, ah, and she'd just like, <laughs> but it always make me laugh. But then she'd, no, 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 keep doing it. And I was like, yeah, it's annoying. Right. And then I never realized till maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, or maybe it was, a, maybe it was like two months ago 
her friends came over and her friends are hilarious. We'd always, they would always come over and give us like the, the new terms that kids are saying. And we'd always try to incorporate them into conversations awkwardly yeah. as possible as like, <laughs> as adults are wont to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she left the room one time and I was like, so does London swear around, like around you guys? And she go, their friends are like, no, actually she's the only one that doesn't. And I was like, okay, I just want to make sure because I think she's like that. And I was like, does she just make fun of us constantly for all the weird stuff she's in? And her friend Kaya stopped and she goes, she admires both of you so much. She always talks about like you're the best people on the planet. And I was like, it was like, it was like jarringly unexpected. And her friend was like, yeah, she looks up to you a lot, actually. And I was like, that is such a weird thing to, to feel but never recognize Right. To never, it's always like, oh God, like, you know, you're a parent, you got to make sure you're doing the right thing. But to actually have a child look up to you is such a strange feeling. It really does change your behavior out of nowhere. Yeah. You're like, man, maybe I shouldn't say fuck so much <laughs> or something stupid. <laughs> like, like, One thing she doesn't really admire is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's bizarre. And then, you know, there all the, so the, all the practical parts about this, um, are fairly straightforward. You're dealing with a lot of grief. You're dealing with, I don't, and when I say it's different for everybody, I mean, everybody. And it's really interesting because people come out of the woodworks when something like this comes out. Oh yeah. And in really special ways, sometimes off putting, but also uh, beautiful ways in the, how awkward it is for some people. I feel like it's somehow harder for other people to grasp because they're not in it. They just, they're trying to understand it by like mimicking the feelings or their situation of how it would be. And that is never how it would be. Or they put, you know, they imagine themselves and okay, this is what I would be feeling in that situation. And so this is how I would react to me in that. And, and I, and to to see that sort of kind of lovely human awkwardness of oh wow you're you're new here yeah <laughs> you know, yeah you, yeah exactly you don't have any sort of experience with that and you know contrast that with Blair mm-hmm. and to realize like man it's it, you humans don't get this you know, without getting it. No. And as, and, and the way that I have seen these last weeks, you, and, and been around, witnessed, experienced, you and uh, Aaron um, just navigating with such grace is, um, again, it, it's, it's extraordinary, but you were also really gentle with the people who were so awkward, <laughs> you know, in a way, it can be, be, which you know, you're you're not uh, obliged to be. You just you need to just do and feel and express, you know, what you are feeling in the moment that you are feeling it, without any constraints of should or you know expectations of of that sort of thing. And it would be really easy to be. Um, dismissive or short w- with someone who is new, yeah, to it and can, and is trying to navigate and um, 
and it's been really really amazing the the one so the same um that saturday i I don't know why but i decided like immediately people needed a way to know at least our immediate people yeah should know what's going on and so we did a thing the the day after she died on saturday here at the space to just i wanted to change it i wanted to change um you know my experience with how people handle death yeah and they handle it in such terrible ways from from what i've been through they don't talk about it they like this is something it's very normal for people to shut down and i kind of want to do the opposite and open up because if nothing else i really do believe that london left a piece of herself in me and i feel it in a weird way in a way that she would be and i felt that immediately i wanted people to celebrate her she was not something it, she would not want people to be sad right yeah it's a sad thing um but she wouldn't put up with people being miserable that wouldn't be the energy that she wants to carry that wouldn't be what she would like to be in and i kind of knew that if we shifted it immediately to appreciate what kind of girl she was and who she was to us and everybody else um i mean she was a quiet feature for most people's experience here but a lot of people um you know a wife of somebody who attended a symposium wrote me a message after they learned about it she goes do you know what's weird is like my husband went to a symposium with you guys and when he came back the only thing he talked about was how she was dancing around in the background about these like stark environment these super serious conversations and she would come in like bopping her fluffy hair back and forth and offer people food and he's like, it was the weirdest thing to see such a bright feature in such a like weird, dark place. And that's a lot of people felt that way. Like they, London was like a comfort when they came here. Like, oh, a kid who's bright here. These people yeah. aren't bad people. They actually have like brightness to them. They're not just <laughs> dark pessimists <laughs> with goth kids walking around. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the, so on that night, on that Saturday night, um, Sean, the weird part, uh, one of our clients here, he was devastated. I mean, completely floored by it because he had, I mean, he had been texting me, hey, is everything, I, man, I had a good dream. Maybe she's okay. And I was like, actually, she's dead. Like, sorry, but, <laughs> but yeah. I appreciate the dream. It must have been nice, but now we're back in reality. <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, like, oh, no. And so he didn't want to tell me, but somebody told me that his dog had died that same day. got hit by a car. It's a tiny little Aussie that they have. It's like the most beautiful dog. And he's like, I don't want to tell the man. Their thing is like in perspective, you know, I just don't want to mention that around. It seems like yeah. so. And it's like, no, like th- that's not fair to anybody to like have levels of grief. Yeah. Right. There's not like one is worse than the other. It's there's different grief experiences. They all matter. I can own like Lambert dying is up there with the most devastating things that I can foresee happening. Yes. And I don't know how to handle it yet. I didn't think I would have to handle this, but this all kind of informs how we deal with things and how we talk about them. So the first thing I did was like, get a hold of him. Hey, what happened to your dog? And he was just like, just like, let me know. Yeah. Like, uh, if we care about each other, we should know what's going on. You don't In each hide other's these lives. Things. Yeah. Um, and that, that pattern kind of set the stage. And then, 
you start to see, you know, the awkward people come out like, oh, when my, you know, uncle died, this is what I did. And some people were really funny about it. And they'll leave a message like, uh, my mom lost oh, was it? one of them. This is really, it was really insane. <laughs> She's like, uh, my mom lost two of her children um, before I was born. And I asked her later how she dealt with it. And she said, oh, I just imagined that they went off to boarding school. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Oh, fuck all right like that doesn't seem the healthiest thing but rock but, on but like, yeah you and do you <laughs> i was just like a just hearing people's experiences is actually a beautiful thing oh my goodness yeah um it might not help but nothing helps and then it also does and this is kind of the thing that i posted because people i think that the things that i'm seeing are like Oh, words don't work and they don't do just and you're like yeah i feel the same but also no words are devastating so they do something yes right you saying something does something i don't know what it does recognition or whatever whatever the energy is um, it's basic it's you know hi human yeah i'm same species yeah we recognize you know, recognition I, of something yeah um that's it's an insanely complex thing to navigate. Um, I was really worried about Aaron. The first thing that I, when I understood that her brain was gone, was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose her next. Um, and, you know, okay, so we, we're like, I'm a fairly logical person. Um, but three days before she died, I had a dream where I tooth fell out it was a very visceral dream like it, it was not a dream in the sense as it was a vision and i don't know dream stuff very no, it's much not like a baby tooth no it was a front right like canine tooth looking thing yeah the yeah like extended up into your yeah, brain yeah. essentially is, is how you told me that i think that yeah it was a long it was yeah. a long tooth and it fell out on the ground and then i woke up and i was like man i don't even need to look that one up like yeah, that one. And I, I was like, man, I, I shouldn't tell Aaron about this. I told her about it. She goes, you know what? That's not our story. It doesn't mean anything. And it's true. It doesn't mean anything until it does. And then stuff gets even weirder. And I think the only reason I like to talk about it, because it is so fucking weird. Like, it is a very weird thing. And I think not talking about it, 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 it solidifies that we think we know everything about this process, this like existence yeah. thing. And I don't think we know anything about it. In fact, we know very little about it. And even less so when it comes to something like this, there's a, there's, there's weird things that add up that, that shouldn't, um, a month before that's two months, two months before London died, she showed us this, um, TikTok. Um, no, it was a Snapchat. I don't know whatever, whatever kids, yeah. social media, and she'd always share certain like oh look at this dog look at this recipe look at whatever well she showed us this and it was a picture of a human in a tree she goes look they're burying people in trees that's how i want to be buried and both me and aaron were like mm, i like how weird you're getting but also should i be worried like yeah. this is a very <laughs> and we're like that's actually awesome why why do you want to be buried in a tree and she's like well i think it'd be cool that you just go back into the earth as opposed to be you know cremated or whatever and you're like then you become food for everything and you're like fuck i can respect that yeah. like that's it turns out that's illegal we like to do it the only state that you can bury somebody in trees in oregon um but wait 
but you wouldn't be burying the person like in the tree because this person's up in the tree right no 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 they're no. in the in oh, the bulb okay. like so they're the fertilizer okay. for it yeah okay yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking sky burial oh, kind yeah, of yeah. precursor yeah. sort of thing. Like, hang him up and the birds will come and I'm be into cool. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you need... Tibet, Nepal, something like that? Yeah. Yes. But you need, um, you know, transportable pieces. So someone's yeah. got to do something pretty gnarly. Someone's uh, going to have a chainsaw involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's little features like that that are strange. Um, and especially the dreams are weird. Um, are you having some like full blown visions? Um, some of them are really strange where she's outside and it's always her. She's outside of a room, um, and she won't come in. And the other one is just me laying on her, hugging her. And then I'll wake up. Um, one of them was, I was trying to get her to eat shrimp and she wouldn't. It's just like different experiences that are most definitely her personality. Um, like full blown into a vision. Um, most mediums will say that's in fact her spirit visiting your dreams. Yeah. So that's where they communicate. So she's giving you some sensation that she's there. Um, so the in the moment when the doctor left us after telling us that our choice is basically done, there's no more choice. Th- there is no choice. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty hysterical for for a couple minutes, uh, and I got really worried because man, I, I'm trying to figure out how I would keep on living with this happening, let alone I'm thinking from Aaron's standpoint, she really doesn't have, I mean, she has, she has, she loves life. Like she's not a depressed person by any chance, but something like this really shifts a person. And my first thought was like, anybody that goes through this is at risk of like just offing themselves immediately. Um, and I can't say that I, I mean, obviously I disagree with it, but given the nature of it, you really can't, you can't, you really can't. I mean, you have to understand that that, oh, that yeah. compulsion is high and, and it's a, it's a logical one uh, for that kind of loss. It's just like the, the, the emptiness of life just comes out. Um, and, and she was crying. I mean, everybody was crying. It was just me and her in a room and she got a call from one of our friends and for whatever reason, she decided to answer it. And it happened to be a friend of ours who's a witchy lady <laughs> who actually happened to be here working out at the gym. And she was in a session and she got up and left the room real quick. Um, so people say, and that's when she called Aaron. Aaron answered it and she said she was in contact with London and that she was passed. And Aaron put it on speakerphone, so I'm listening to her, and she just started talking in the same inflection that London was. London says she's fine. Trust me, Mom. You're going to be fine, but you can't come with me. And everybody's crying, so it's kind of hard to understand what's going on, but she just kept saying, like, you're going to love it here, but it's not your time. You have more work to do. You need to stay there. You can't come with me yet. I'm fine. You need to trust me. And Aaron, something shifted in her energy. goes, yeah, I do trust you. I 100% trust you. She's like, okay. And it's not like the sadness left, but that self-annihilation piece lifted immediately. And I was no longer worried about Aaron. And you're like, some people don't get that. Some people don't have, you could say, you know, they're skeptics. I probably would have been this person a long time ago. Been like, oh, that's just like a fucking cold reader that's telling you what you need to hear. None of that shit is real. 
fine. If it worked, what's the difference? Yeah. Like if you get somebody to stop from killing themselves, it is real. Right? The, the energy is real. The, the, the action is real. And uh, I saw her shift immediately and I, I just wasn't worried about her anymore. And then this whole thing became about how to heal, how to pay tribute to, and also how to teach other people how to do this kind of stuff. Um, that, that was a, and, a big part of it. And I think that the Saturday night gathering, so sort of close in proximity, but also with such a breadth of people and life experience <laughs> in the same room, it, where, you know, they could see each other in an informal setting mm -hmm. and maybe truly see in some moment of, you know, um, where, you know, a week later, a more formal sort of gathering, it wasn't like the, the ability yeah. to see and share. And it's it, different. It was, it was different. Um, but that night, I mean, in a sort of dark room with a slideshow of pictures of London repeating was really beautiful. I think cathartic. I mm -hmm. think there were people who spoke that I had did not know were capable. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's also what something I think that Lennon brought out of people was, you know, kind of by making fun of them sometimes, yeah. um, d drew them into greater self-awareness themselves, mm. you know, pointed that direction by a young child. Yeah, I think, I forgot who said this was like, uh, someone described London as being completely unimpressed with adult shit. Yeah, I believe that was Roger, actually. <laughs> yeah, she really was. Um, th that, yeah, there, there's, that night was really special because I think it was an organic way that we do things. Like, yeah. it needed to be, like, we need to respond immediately. This whole, like... The funeral was fine. It was done at an LDS church. Um, I knew what was what it was going to be, and we did yeah. our best to kind of inject our belief in our way about it. Yes, and I like we did the best we can, but it's not it's not our thing. Sure, um, we do things a little bit differently, and I think about things a little bit differently. So I, I thought it was important to do it very immediately. We talk about being able to respond quickly. Um, whether talking about a subject, whether about interacting with somebody, um, it's very important. We deal with a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And when somebody tells us something's wrong, we jump on them, right? Like something's yeah. wrong, we get to it. And I think this is one of those circumstances that if you didn't jump on and go, look, this is where we're at, it's going to change. Uh, it, things always change. The shock wears off. Um, and you, you, you can dive bomb pretty quickly and it's just like, it's a day by day kind of deal about sometimes I wake up and you know, it's just nothing but sobbing for the first hour before I get my boots on and come to work. And sometimes it's getting up and playing songs and singing because I know she really <laughs> loved that. Like this, yeah. what she, she always wanted to be around good energy. And so some days we pull it off and some days are harder and some days are bright, um, but for the most part, getting in and solidifying that we're okay, um, you know, it's super fucked up. Nobody knows how this thing will pan out or how much. I mean, and it's fucked up for a long time. Yeah, for, forever. Yeah. I mean, to a degree. I think the thing that both me and Aaron agree about is that 
Um, we couldn't have done it any different. Um, the fact that we took so much time with her and spent as much time with her as possible, traveling, showed her as much of our world as we possibly could, but also let her be her own person. You know, we didn't enforce any of our stuff on her. Um, like, we feel pretty good about our parenting experience um, and what kind of human we raised while she was alive. We also know that she's pure. Like she, she was a little bit too perfect for a world like this. And I was starting to fear what the world was going to do to her um, because she hadn't even shaved her legs. She didn't have a menstrual cycle yet. She was unconcerned with everything of, of in life that corrupts you. Um, and that, that is weird. Um, cause usually kids like, especially, you know, kids her same age are doing weird shit. You know, it's the weird 13 age where you start yeah. to do weird stuff and she never did any of that and so when you look at it you're like if you had to pick a time a period of life to be alive to experience the best part of being a human being you would basically pick till around that period a 13 year old is where everything kind of goes to shit and so and I, there's like this sounds really dark but fuck I'm not worried about her she's safe right She's dead, but she's 100% safe. I do not have to worry about her. Now we have to worry about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and she gave us a lot of gifts. There's one thing that I think most people don't recognize about grief because they just feel the pain part of it, and they, they're afraid of the pain. The pain is nothing to be afraid of. But the, the pain is in reflection to the care and the love that you have for somebody. It, it's the cost of it. Right, you, that investment is just paying off through this feeling that feels like it hurts, but I, it's 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 not a bad thing. But it's also the like as you said, the it's the 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 weight on the other side of the scale of your care and love mm -hmm. is that if there was little care and love, then there would be little pain. Right, and so it, it's a. Um, I think that's an, a, a pretty important explanation or distinction to make of like, it's not just randomly, you know, out of context hurting. Right. It's like, it hurts because. Mm -hmm. I had no idea I would miss her as much as I do. Even like, yeah, it's just something, one of those things that you take for granted. It was not even, it was never a feature of my existence to be like one day I'll be without her. I always looked at it like, man, I'm actually like I had a step grandfather that became my real grandfather. And I felt for a time that like, I'm glad that London could carry on my stuff. I don't need my own child. I got a really, I've always said like, I got it easy. I came in and she was the easiest kid ever to deal with. She was just all play, all loving, always having fun. Like she was always having a good time and even you know, when stuff was not fun because we were not having fun, she would try to make it better. I got the the easiest experience that somebody could probably as a parent. And then that got taken from me in the exact manner of, of ease that I got. I'm getting hardship. Yeah. And that that's only fair, right? Like the nothing's fair about this except the pain of losing somebody like that. Um, I never saw it happening. And that is kind of like everything those are where the best best lessons are 
Like I, it's just, it's nonstop information about how you interact in the world, how you interact with people. And you can choose, there's definitely an option. There's a road here where you could shut down. And what I look at is like most people shut down at this point, right? They, there's some, there's some use to having some alone time. Don't get me wrong. Like goodness. Yeah, for sure. Like you, 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 especially for Aaron's case, like she needs to hermit a little bit. She needs to clear head, lots of walks by herself and lots of time just being around, you know, very few people. Um, but she's very open about like what she's dealing with. And that is different. Um, and I think that if nothing else, it's an, this is a really good opportunity to share with people how we're going about some of the most difficult things. And they're not all positive that, you know, we're not like perfectly handling certain things, obviously. Um, and that's why I thought it was important to try to record, um, kind of thus far and along the way and as it shifts because if nothing else if people can learn what we did wrong or did right and they could take tidbits from it um it's one of the most important things that i've learned about life is through this process um to have my what i would call my old self and i'd say like around the age 35 i shifted like I could feel a shift. Um, I was changing like in a very drastic way and almost unrecognizable, uh, but I was lightening a little bit and I was giving up a lot of my cynicism. And um, it's it's interesting because these kind of events are like magnifiers, right? They're, they're, they're catapults. Whatever direction you're aiming for, when something like this happens, you will go headfirst into that direction. And I can only be thankful that I was aimed up and not down. Yeah. And I think that shift has taken four or five years to start, you know, changing the trajectory on the old trebuchet, the old emotional heart trebuchet. Yeah. <laughs> and this one's going over the wall, man. I, <laughs> I swear it's going to land right in the town square. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because it just, it just catapulted everything that I've been trying to inorganically develop, knowing that it was important to be a loving person, knowing that it was important to feel things differently, but not being able to do so. I was unable to do it actually. I was I was failing, but I was pretending. I was still going through the motions, mm-hmm. right? But like, okay, no, I, I need to be grateful actually. I need to like I need to look at the world different. I need to not be a, a negative person. I need to look at you know, I was really trying to shift, but not in a gratitude journal kind of way. Although that would probably work. It was just not my style. Um and when this happened, it literally just it made everything it, it made everything real for the first time. Right. Oh, actually, I can feel and I can feel what I do to other people when I talk certain ways. And when I like it doesn't mean it's perfect. It's not like I'm never going to snap at somebody again. But for the most part, it made me aware because it just shot me off in the direction that I've been trying to aim towards. Yeah. Um, maybe it was the jet fuel for that, for whatever reason. Uh, and it, to see how people come at it, I think we're just really lucky like our our overall viewpoint is like god damn it we are so fucking lucky we got the best kid for the best years right uh she developed a disease that nobody can really beat the odds if you catch it it's fucking bone marrow transplant and chemo and like yeah and i also look at it like if we knew about it 
maybe we would have saved her life, but we would have stopped her from living. Right? Like that, that's the, the, when kids get diagnosed with this, you keep them away from everything. Yeah. And, you know, people, you know, there is HLH developed from COVID coming within the two to three week window. Same thing as MISC. Oh, interesting. It, it does come from that. Um, but she had a staph infection a week before in her foot. And that that's logically where it came from. It triggered off her immune system and it yeah. could have been a play of all the things, but we had been noticing some stuff with her. Um, she'd get like a skin rash here and there, or she would have like visceral reactions to dumb things. And we're like, oh, that's weird. Like, oh, she's a weird kid. Yeah. You know, it'll clear itself out. Try not to be too alarmed. And if I think if we, if she was diagnosed with this and we had to go through her going through bone marrow transplants and chemo, it's not the same person. That oh, comes yeah. out of that, and she doesn't have the same experience. So, the only, the only way she got what she got, and we got what we got, was a we apparently negotiated for a small amount of time in order to do that. It was intensity, and it, whenever you raise the intensity on living, you shorten the time. It's it's a fundamental truth whether you're talking about physiology and exercise or you're talking about living, and we really, I mean. We did everything that she felt like doing yeah. at all times. We drop whatever to do, and if you do that, it costs something. It was it was pretty extraordinary to see how you included her, how she was included in everything that was that you know the, <laughs> all of the adult stuff yeah. of of traveling or helping out here or just being here. Yeah, and the building on days when you know there was no school or whatever and like it, it i i would say there was probably moments there where because i got latchkeyed and uh you know kind of <laughs> had to you know at a certain age you know from a certain point raise myself and mm. and um gotta say i was a little envious sometimes of like yeah and sh and if she said hey i just want to spend more time with you get you guys then that's what happened yeah i was <sighs> I, there's some obviously like Aaron. God, I wish you know. I, I wish I was on my phone less, or I wish you know. There, there's little things like there was this moment. We just went to Hawaii, went to Maui in the in August for her birthday, mm -hmm. and it was it was such a fun trip because we did. It's the first time we've ever not done anything, other than like we still trained every day, but we would go to the beach in the morning with her, and I think the only time it was really the only like really regretful thing I kind of have was like there was a day and I was just tired and it was the sun was going down and she wanted to get in the water again and she doesn't want to she just wants to jump in the waves and smile at you like she she really just wants to be around you you know you could snorkel but she doesn't really care she just wants to jump in the waves and have fun like it's yeah. such a weird you think about it now and it's different at the time you're like well you're not doing anything like, why aren't you like snorkel or do like ride a boogie board or do like, I don't know, do something in the wave. And she's like, no, I just want to bob up in here. But if you left the water, she'd be like, she would come out with you. And she'd be like, we want to go back in the water with me. And you're like, no, you're not doing anything. And there's one day finally I got fed up. I was like, no, I don't want to just go sit in the water. And she's like, oh, and she like went and stood in the waves and just like sadly sat there and stared at the water. And I was like, oh my God, I've never seen her sad before. And I was like, ah, oh, she'll get over it. And then the next day we went in the water and she was like happier than she's ever been. Like, it's like, it's a weird thing. And I go, why the fuck didn't I get in the water? Yeah. Like, why was that so dumb to me? I knew it made her happy. And it's almost like I wanted to do something. 
specifically but against I, what was making her happy. But I don't think it's that. I think there's a there's this you know attachment that we as physical people, mm-hmm. skills people, learning, acquiring knowledge, expressing that people have like oh if you're gonna be in the place you do a thing yeah, yeah. or I'm gonna go you know but you're in the yeah I want to surf or I want to do or I want, yeah. yeah I need a, and there's a, there's a physical activity or a skill something that is challenging me directly and and we. I would have to say that in that moment, like about as far from each other in terms of, you know, desire for for something that you could be. Yeah. But it's just, okay, you starting from, you know, before age 13 for you and you get obsessive about learning shit and and doing stuff and and tying these um, things or, you know, just years and years of certain behavior and and then... (laughs) Um, it's like task it, accomplishment for everything, it, which ruins oh, everything. Which kind of, I mean, <laughs> ruins most it, things. It ruins a lot of things. Yeah. Or you, um, yeah, or you get attached to the physicality that you can no longer, exp- you know, define yourself by a physicality that you can no longer express at a certain point. And it's like, oh, that's a habit developed over time. And now I uh, need to shift or like, oh, yeah. I realize that this task-oriented kind of thing may be the opposite of just enjoying another person, a, another person, or a a specific or a moment, a shared moment with that other person. Which now it's so easy to see. Like, of course, I can't just get into the water and enjoy another person because I can't enjoy myself most times. Yeah, and you're like, once you can. That becomes delightful. Once I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy to be alive. The water is the best thing ever because it's just splashing against you yeah. and the other person that you also enjoy. It's like she she fundamentally just enjoyed us. Um, you know, there she was turning into a teenager. So she there's lots of like, she was starting to, hey, I want to go on a walk by myself. And you're like, yeah, yeah, go do it. Like, I'm into that. But she couldn't go very far. She'd like go to the top of the street and then look back at the house and then she'd come running back in. And you're like, she really like, she was kind of connected to us in very abnormal, loving ways um, that sometimes are annoying when you're like, get out of here. Like, what are you doing? Like, I have a task to accomplish. Yeah. She'd be like laying on the dog or like I would be in bed and she would just come like lay on the dog and on me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, get out of here. <laughs> like, But she just wanted to like cuddle everything and... Um, that is such a profoundly good life if you can do it, but not many people can. Um, I think it takes a lot of practice for sure. And yeah, she's, that's something I mean, there's lots of things that I wish we would have done. Obviously, um, in retrospect, one of those things was a podcast with you that we were planning for a really long time and you know we told you about it uh-huh. it was like who the fuck is Mark Twight was the name of the podcast and London was just going to interview you yeah and that was based off of like at one point she was like I th- somebody was talking about you um, you weren't there and London was in the room and they're like oh Mark did this and that and she's like what's the big deal with Mark <laughs> And we're like, nothing. Why? And she's like, was he born in Antarctica or something? Like everybody, <laughs> like, did he like wrestle like a Yeti? Like she really had no idea what you did. And 
unimpressed with adult shit, which she she also never really saw me do. <laughs> right. Well, she just we're like, would you do a podcast with Mark and just interview him and ask him basic questions? And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. And so we, <laughs> her plan was just to sit her in a room just like this and have her go. Where were you born? And like, <laughs> just like, like how a thirteen-year-old would interview somebody. Because I think in that, in that like naivety, you would probably get to the heart of genuine questions. Oh yeah, and that's that's how most of her stuff went. You know, the the she did not care about the unimportant shit, mm. and that that would come out as such an insanely awesome thing. Sometimes I would see her most of the time and I always had this feeling I'd look at her and she'd kind of you know same thing she'd kind of look at me and the sense that I would get from her gaze was of her looking at me going one of these days you'll uh, you'll understand <laughs> and I'm like and just that in, in a way like she'd already she'd been around the block she'd been around you know a, a bunch of times and it's like I see it you're struggling pretty hard there man but uh, yeah two three more goes you'll uh, you, you might get be, it you might get it <laughs> That's or you will yeah eventually all of us will get it I think yeah um, yeah it was, it's a weird one it's such a it's such a bizarre feeling um and it catches up you with you in weird moments um we're bright enough to know not to run from it which i think a lot of people don't know that that like you just sit and when it hits you it hits you often it's in the morning or sometimes it's at night i mean i i i picked up her phone the uh the day after she died uh, I picked up her phone and just turned it over to see if it was on and her friends had been messaging her and I like oh I started dry heaving I like fell on the ground it just like floored me she had 150 messages from her friends just like we miss you we just heard like I'll see it. like all of these like most like some of the most caring things that, like little kids could do and this is one of the reasons I want to record this so um she went to Clayton Middle School in Salt Lake City, and um, the the week that she, uh, the week after she died, her friends kind of got together. She was a fairly popular kid, um, unbeknownst to us. <laughs> and it turns out her friends like they adorned, they took her desk at school and they put flowers on it and they decorated. And London always dyed her hair pink or purple or something weird because we let her do whatever she wanted, and she always wanted like fun pink hair or whatever. And so everybody at her school that week wore pink and dyed their hair. Even their principal dyed his hair pink and wore a pink shirt every day for the week. And Fox News, the local news station, picked up on it, heard about like a rare thing that happened and showcased this thing for her. And in it, for whatever reason, they interviewed her dad and her dad was like, yeah, they still don't know why she died. And you're like, I don't know what room he was in, but apparently he wasn't listening or this is how he's dealing with it. But we we do know why she died and we know how rare it is. And we like, this is our form and not as many people are going to see as the local news station, but we called the local news station. We're like, guys, like what the fuck? Like 
we do know a lot of this shit. Maybe you should have asked somebody who knew. And this yeah. happens all the time with like news reports. It, it was an awesome piece that they did. They showed how, you know, what a crazy little girl she was actually in her entire school dressed in pink and like kind of what was going on. It was, it was a cool thing, but man, we do know there are things that we know about her. And if people have questions, they shouldn't be afraid to ask. Um, that's one of those things like people are like, you know, oh, I don't know where I should step. And yeah. well, yeah, but if you have a feeling not to say something, you'll know, right. There's a time and there's a place. There's a weird part with grief is like a lot of people, um, when they hear about it and they haven't seen us yet, it's obviously all they, they can think about. So they see us and all sorts of stuff happens, yeah. right? Like they want us to be sad in that moment. And sometimes, sometimes it just got done being sad and it's not hitting me. Also, there's certain people I have a connection to, which it's easy to be sad around. It's just like that connection is there and they understand. And you can immediately go there. Yeah. Like have that experience with them because you're both set to receive yeah yeah you're all you you there's no boundary there like you mm -hmm. can be very open about it and it's a fluid thing and other people are like yeah i feel this way about it but not with you right and it's not there's nothing wrong with you there's just not that connection there and um people want to trauma bond in yeah. some sense and that's a very hard thing to handle sometimes so apparently sometimes you have to tell people it's okay. I'm not doing that right now, but don't let me stop you. Like if you're feeling something, I'll give you a hug. That's totally fine. Um, a friend of mine, I, he was, I mean, more devastated than most. And I think it's because he has two girls, but I called him mm. the next day. I was like, man, I just, I didn't want to send a text message, but I had to tell you like what happened. And he just cracked and he's just like, I'll be down there in a couple hours. And I'm like, fuck, you don't have to do the lips up north like two hours. So he drove down and we had just, um, some friends of ours set up an altar. We're, we're appreciating the 40 days for a spirit to pass ritual. Mm -hmm. And so they built the altar for us. It was beautiful. There's owl feathers all over it. They just like, Marwena went to town and made the most beautiful little thing. Uh, and we we're over there. And so he came over while we we're there and he just showed up. He's just dread, tears, eyes, bloodshot, just crushed. And we're not in that spot. And I realized like, oh, fuck, you have other shit. This just like Is, this just yeah. sent it off. And so, you know, he left and I messaged him. Hey, man, you got you got something else that you need to talk about. He's like, yeah, 100 percent. And so it, it's good to actually see this as a trigger for people because you might not know that somebody was hurting. Yeah. Um, I got a call from a girl. Remember that weird day a long time ago, two years ago, you came in the building and you're like, something's weird. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it is weird. And so I smudged the whole building. Yeah. Well, that was this girl, Amelia. We had, you know, ceremonial functions here and it was the night that she found out her sister's brother uh, committed suicide um, accident they think but could potential suicide but they think more like an accident so she used this podcast room to clear his energy out of her space yeah in whatever weird way she did she uses mapacho and some other substances and so we let her use this space and she left and if she left that year. and she left it here oh yeah <laughs> so we had to clear the building out <laughs> well she called me um and she's awesome i haven't talked to her for a year or something and she was just dying like over the whole thing she had met london maybe a few times but yeah. immediately knew 
And before long, she's like, well, I don't want to tell you about my stuff. No, no, go. She's like, I lost, you know, my fiance's mother. We lost my brother. We lost my uncle. We lost our dog. And she just, then I had a miscarriage and it's like, oh, fuck, you need us more than we need you. Like, that's okay. But just like, you know, let's, hey, come here. And that way it's easier. This isn't just a phone conversation. That part has been one of the most interesting parts to be in a place where you should be the most damaged and unable, but to be able to find a space where you can actually help other people through the thing that they mass that they didn't want to talk about that they were unwilling to share because they didn't think anybody cared but they um or they hadn't developed a relationship with with someone that they um uh where they could see a similar experience that then they were able to uh would would be more free to share because if you oh i've got this you know all this stuff i'm carrying and you just rock up on someone that you don't really know you can't you keep it suppressed because you can't talk about it because you don't recognize you know a fellow traveler in a way yeah um in uh uh, in in that other person and then suddenly it it could be an event like this that exposes someone that you know Mm. as of i'll just use the same thing fellow traveler um and, and so not only are you, you know, you get triggered into an emotionally um, communicative mm. uh, um, sort of condition, but you realize like, holy shit, they can understand. I can have yeah. this conversation that I didn't re- maybe feel comfortable having before because I didn't know if, oh, has this person suffered enough loss yeah, or suffered loss, you know, that, that has created common ground between us. Yeah. Yeah, I, in some sense, it's fucking horrifying that, that like this is this this kind of thing is what makes or breaks people. Like it, it's kind of a cauldron of sorts, right? Yeah, you're just putting a bunch of stuff in it, and it's either gonna explode and self destruct, or it's gonna make something beautiful out of it. And I think you really have an option. You have some decisions to make about how you want something to affect you. Um, and I think the only really justifiable thing to do towards loss is to uh, pay tribute to somebody by by living better, by improving yourself, by um, continuing to actually tell their story. I think that that's like a duty that you have as a person who is alive is to... Um, just walk a life that that person would be proud of. Like th- this is where maybe all morality stems from, right? Like w- would I behave in a way that, you know, that you could call it the spirit or whatever. And some people call them guides or, or whatever. Well, it's yeah. The idea of this person being disappointed in me is going to like steer my action. Yeah. And it, it already has in kind of massive ways. I've had, I have a really easy time burning bridges and doing things, um, mostly self-protective things, right? That we think are self-protective, but eventually they become self-destructive. Um, there's no shortage of examples of bridges that I've burned. And some of them I'm really proud of. And a lot of them were well-deserved. Without question. But the habit, of doing it is not a good habit. And I've always known it's not a good habit. 
because um, I'm quick to use a knife when that's not the best tool to mend things. Um, and strangely enough, um, you know, nothing ever really terrible happened with Keegan uh, leaving here. I just made a distinction that he was, you know, not my sort of people because of certain things that he did. And um, when this, I was sitting by her bed before we had pulled the plug with her and he had called me and I just, you know, ah, fuck that guy. I'm like, yeah, of course he wants to say this is not a bridge to a friendship, whatever I was thinking at the time. <clears throat> yes. Um, and the next day he messaged, uh, Aaron, I'm like, fuck, I gotta like message him. So he quicks fucking calling. Like, you know, I don't yeah. want him to like show up here or something. That'd be fucking annoying. So I'm like, I'll message him. And, um, I messaged him back and some, <laughs> some voice was not my own messaged him back <laughs> And basically thanked him for loving London enough and that he's more than welcome to come here and, you know, anybody that she loves, I love. And therefore, it's like it just ended a thing. And um, I sent it and then reread it and went, what the fuck? (laughs) Like that. Oh, Hart, how could you betray me so? Yeah, what happened to my hands? Like, (laughs) this is called demonic possession or something. (laughs) And and Keegan drove out. Yeah, baby, he didn't ask for me. He was already here, um, and man, um, it's really good to see that we affect people in positive ways. Yeah, and that because we affect people in positive ways, it comes back positively towards us when we might not recognize our negative ways. Um, and that that was a a reflection that. It was really useful. Um, I forgave a lot of people after this, which I was unable to do before. And I've been trying, um, mostly not for them, but for me to not have energy into that space. Um, I've been working really hard and a lot of it like has come up over and over before this happened. It just kept on ringing on me. No, I love to hate people actually. Like I get something out of it, but it's like a hit. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like a short-term energy burst, but it's not useful. It's almost like a, like, yeah, fuck that person. And it give energy for a little bit to do something, but it just dies off really quickly. Yeah. It's like a bump of cocaine, but spite, I'm like doing a bump of spite. And I know that's not a healthy place to be. And, but I'm like, you know, I don't have to, I don't, I'm not like that all the time, but when it came time to face certain things that have been trying to fix, that is a message that comes back really clear is that you, you don't necessarily need to forgive them. You need to forgive yourself on how you've treated that person. That's really where the damage is. Um, and I couldn't do it either. Fuck them. No, I can't do it. I like it too much. Like It's like a game to me, and I like playing that. It, that hand feels powerful, even though it's self-destructive. Right? It's like putting like Ultimately, a s- spiked yeah. glove on, inverted, thinking that you yeah. have all the power, but whenever you clench your fist, you just hurting yourself and then ah the pain and then it makes it worse so you grip harder and that that's kind of how resentment works as a, an emotional feature and so i was trying to let it go and it's almost like uh london could never hold anything against anybody so the part that i got from her was to let all of that shit go and it was almost immediate every issue that i've had with every single person almost dissolved immediately um which to me is like, you know, a gift that I wasn't yeah. able to do by myself. And 
I, I kind of treat it like it was a sacrifice. And if I don't, if I don't live up to that sacrifice, then it was for nothing. And so that's, um, and I think there's, when you sort of talk about it, like I, I, I want to live a life that doesn't disappoint this person or mm-hmm. wouldn't disappoint this person. It's something that we, I think we've talked about in the last few months around the office. certainly mm-hmm. is this notion of, I just want to be the person that you think I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure. And, and the person that, you know, the, the true you that London could see, th- you know, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and had great admiration for, yeah, be that person. I'll, uh, I'll man the gates. <laughs> keep, the, keep, the, <laughs> keep the riffraff keep, out. Keep, keep the spite going for a little bit anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, you need both sides. It's not no, that I'm sure. like, yeah. you know, it's not like I lost my teeth because I definitely... I mean, <laughs> grit and fluffiness at yeah, gmail.com. Yeah. Is that like what it's going to be now? Grit and fluffiness. <laughs> and, and, and now, and please, are you going to stop swearing? No. Okay. Never. No, that's just, jeez. I think I'll be more careful with it because that's not a thing that I. Well, it's lazy. We all, we all agree that it's lazy. It is lazy. It's yeah. lazy use of language. But if it's used correctly, I think it becomes reverent. Yes. <laughs> I, do, I do not disagree. <laughs> uh, you just don't use it lazily, and I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know from this point. Um, the the we're just kind of talking about it openly, um, discussing the hard parts of it. A lot of it is just how absolutely terrifying it is that she's not here how it's just it's just shifted everything like it's so bizarre that was only two and a half weeks ago three weeks ago she was running around her kitchen like cooking and singing and dancing yeah and now she's gone forever um you can take that it drops you sometimes when you mismanage it and i think that's really the only thing that has been saving me is a when i feel it come in and i start to feel all those human emotions of like resentment for myself for not doing certain things regret comes up all of these negative emotions start to stir around it and it becomes kind of a hot pot for bad decisions and um bad habits um i have to stop and and really this is the only thing that's really saved me is just thinking about how lucky we were i mean there's lots of people that have kind of piles of garbage for kids (laughs) and we got a really good one and i think everybody knows it right like there's not there isn't one person that disliked london you really can't like she was just a sweet being and and it's funny because nobody was ever mean to her you know like that's a weird thing like no one was ever mean to her and i know they weren't because i would be in prison like yeah i would like i man i heard somebody did uh like something on accident and i was like ready to go fucking beat a little kid to death like it was just like hyper defensive which she thought was entertaining but (laughs) but i was serious about it um it's interesting though but he never had to defend her for anything because she was i mean everybody loved her and they still do um and I think, I think that is the saving grace for how you manage kind of the possibility that I could downturn or turn turn this into a negative 
uh, feeling. And I, I don't think the sorrow is negative. And that, that is something that I probably could have never learned without Blair. I, as soon as this happened, I mean, I was holding her hand and it was still warm. And I was like, I know why we met Blair. Like, I know why Blair, she came to like teach us how to do this. Like, there's a reason why she's in our life. Yeah. And it's not on accident. And I immediately just had the most visceral love for that person. Just like, I'm so glad she's here. We would be a disaster without her. She single-handedly just came into our lives and showed us what's possible, right? Without that feature, we yeah. didn't know what was possible. Um, and watching her, and we've talked about it during symposiums. I looked at her, I'm like, I don't know how you did what you did. And you're still standing. I don't understand it. And now I do understand it. And I think it's because she, she well, A, her heart broke open, and then it was able to receive. And then she just was open about the process. And she shared it. And because she shared it, we were able to learn. And I think if we share it, other people can learn. Yeah. That um, you can think that it's the end that really has nothing to do with it. Um, sometimes I think it helps, wh whether it's a story that you tell yourself, whether it's um, a spiritual presence, whether it's something you can actually feel, whether you are dead set that this is not the end. All of those are acceptable. They're all fine as long as the idea makes you better. Yeah. That, like, that becomes the only important truth about life and death is if your idea about the world and how you live and how you die make you a better person then it's true and and make you feel better about yep yeah being here i and to to say you know when we like casually say oh this will go on for a long time forever i mean it's almost i mean it's two and a half years since trav died mm -hmm. and um and you know we still have the we had the conversation yesterday i just said i don't know how you fucking did it i don't know how you stayed yeah. and and that it will always be and you you know relationship to yourself and therefore an idea and a a a, a, a spirit or and a situation will evolve but it it's never not going to be an in, you know present or an influence yeah and that's not a bad thing no no i don't I, again it's like this is the worst thing that could ever happen and essentially all you're, all you're dealing with is pain yeah um it could go away any minute you could take yourself out of the equation but the pain is a reflection of the other good part that and that that's what most people are closed down to like this this ability to love somebody you know conditionally or unconditionally just the like the the depth and the the feelings that it affords you like you get to feel this kind of i don't know inexplicable bliss um and that costs something and this is how you pay for it um and that's man i there's other things it, there's worse things than death there really is and that's the other hard thing that in all likelihood we're the luckiest people on the planet yes we lost our daughter but she she left cleanly 
right? She she left in in there's there's no I can only imagine if somebody would have killed her or if somebody was responsible for it, what kind of pain that causes because now there's retribution and there's all sorts right. of you know, there there were we're not cursed with negative emotions surrounding her exit. Um, we're we're actually quite fortunate to have a very um, clean emotional state because of that, and a lot of people aren't afforded that. A lot of people are are, are they get a way worse situation, yeah. and I don't know how they deal with that because that that's life ruining in some cases. And so again, like everything is different. Some people. Uh, it, it's really strange when people reach out and like I lost my 13 year old or I lost my and this is you know it never ends or this that and the other um, those are oh, man like I didn't know that about you or I, like if I knew somebody and I didn't know that about them or people some of the closest people we have have gone back because they don't want to they don't want to deal with it they don't want to deal with our loss and some of the farthest people that we have only had some kind of recognition of maybe online presence have come in and it's really connected us to other people in other parts of the world that man i had no idea that person was capable of such a loving thought or or such an intention to write me you know something from somebody they've never met and really put yeah. true feeling into it and that is something that i didn't expect um like uh, and it made me think man i've never have i ever done that for somebody else was I the person that backed away because I didn't want to deal with it? And now, now if nothing else, that that's the fortunate part about an experience like this is now I can see it. Now, you know, I'm not going to say anything that'll make it better, but the presence is what matters. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 a letter like that. I mean, you you it it's or um you know a message. It is. It is the representation. It's the token of the, the, by which you understand that there's energy flowing towards. Yeah. And I think that's a um, that is also a really special gift to recognize. Like, okay, there are people out there, but I don't know. Yeah. You know what their feeling is, but then okay, it's having the you know, the talisman of, you know, some representation or token about that energy, I think is very important to all of us to, to, again, kind of comes back to a little bit of, you know, not being alone in the world. Yeah. And also understanding how human experiences are just that. And, um, Ours are ours alone. Mine is not unique. Yeah, you know, other people have had it. We just haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I uh, people have messaged me, and, and thankfully, like, I mean, I don't make the separation between stepfather and, and some people do, but a lot of people just understand if you're yeah. around a child for eleven years, there's a certain bond yeah. that happens. You know, it's it's unmistakable. Um, and the, they'll say, you know, I don't know how you're doing it. And I'll, and I'll be like, well, you just do it. And then I'll look at Aaron and I go, I don't know how she's doing it. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fuck? You know, yeah. my pain is so much worse than I thought that I could ever fathom that it would be. 
And that is nothing in comparison to what Aaron must be feeling. Yes. Like it's not even close. There's no, there's no even, it's not even the same ballpark. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is really important to respect. And it's something that keeps me very aware of like, she's the priority about all of this stuff. Thankfully, for whatever reason, I've been practicing talking for a long time. So I have this ability to at least like kind of wrap my head around and explain and maybe help people circumnavigate what's going on Mm -hmm. or, you know, help them pass through and say hi and and get the right distance. Um, I, I don't know how she does it. Um, it's, if not, it's like, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen is to watch her energy change and be, and not know she can't, she doesn't know how, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. Um, and also in the same moment, watch her just navigate it perfectly normally. Like she walks with it every day. She wakes up and you can see it in her eyes. She lost her child. Um, she goes to work and sometimes she's a little bit spacey cause you, she lost her child because she lost her child and sometimes she doesn't want to be around somebody because she just lost her child and other times when she's like where should we should go somewhere for on a trip and you're like how can you do that like how how can you look forward to the future and you go if you can do it i can do it and then she'll shift my energy to be like yeah anything's possible like let's make whatever happen nothing else matters just keep creating things like keep making stuff that is worthwhile and um, represents all the things that you've learned you know keep writing stuff keep saying words and singing songs and doing all of this stuff keep making recipes because if anything that that's what was enjoy those are like the the foundations of enjoying life right eating and and celebrating and drinking and you know all the stuff that you like to do if you can't do that anymore, then yeah, it's not going to be worth living. So you kind of have to find a way. And that that that's the hard decision is like, is to go, yeah, yeah I'm going to be fine. Not maybe in certain moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, or saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm choosing to. Yeah, I'm, opt- I'm and, opting in 100%, yeah. if not more than I was before. Before I was just kind of passively here. Mm. Uh, and now for sure she'd be active like i want to interact with the world in, in a in a degree that i didn't realize was important to do so before yeah you know because it's so fucking short it really isn't that long and then it's gone and then you're on to the next level or whatever mario brothers game this is <laughs> <laughs> i just want to jump down one of those fucking fucking thing feels it's very video game <laughs> Um, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, I was gonna, I can just, I mean, this is going into the next zine, but I figured I'd read it because I read it on Saturday. Um, yeah, the night after she died. Um, and it, man, it really encompasses kind of, you know, right off the bat without any filter. I really felt like this is what I learned from her. And anything that I wrote after just felt constructed. Um, and this is the very first thing that sort of erupted. 
Yeah, this, I mean, the just the morning after, I just kind of woke up and it all kind of came out in one 15-minute shot. And I go, well, that's probably the genuine thing. Like, that's the thing that I won't be able to replicate uh, ever. <clears throat> so I wasn't, I read it that night just because I was, um, you know, people were sharing stories and I figured this is probably a place that I could put this and it would be accepted. I came here to report a crime. There has been what I consider to be the theft of our age. This heist was a scheme of the universe. It came late in the night and took from us our most precious girl, a being so valuable that all of creation wanted her back. We've all been robbed blind, but not deaf. No, it took what we saw every day for the last 13 years, the physical embodiment of pure love, and it left us with a sound. It's a faint sound, hard to hear, but easy to feel, at least for some. It has a rhythm and it thumps methodically. Boom, 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 snap. It's a sound of our hearts breaking. What a guttural feeling. What an enormous amount of pain to have to deal with. What a mess. You always have to wonder, staring at the brokenness of your entire being, is it worth putting back together? What if it just breaks again? This thought is seductive. If only we stop feeling, we won't then have to feel this pain. This idea is pure evil, insidious devils plucking the cords of helplessness, a murderous melody. It is the very hellscape that many are never able to escape. It swallows them up with denial. It burns them with unanswerable questions like, why did this happen? How is this fair? And it tortures us with the belief that having a heart and opening it to love is not our sole purpose. The truth is, when things break, they, they leave an inexplicable beauty in them. In the Japanese tradition, this is known as kintsugi, an ancient art of healing wounds with precious metals. This declares in no subtle way that our fragile nature is not to be hidden, but celebrated. It is to be known as art, and those who are able to break, reveal their vulnerability, recognize their soul, and mend the pieces for all to see shall be known as artists. When the heart breaks, it breaks open. There is a void and a fright that escapes it. It feels like loss because of the value we have all put into crafting our hearts from a base of fear. We take time to pick the right ones, to second-guess them, and measure them against others that compete for our love, so that we don't waste it with the wrong investment. Treating love like it's a scarcity. What a joke. What a cosmic joke. One we don't get until death becomes the punchline. This is the very human mistake of thinking that we could know love logically that we might actually grasp the infinite nature of what forms the entire universe, and that by trying so hard to curate and control who receives our love, we miss the undeniable beauty of a broken open heart, and that is that it is open to receive love back. It is the gift you are open to only after you feel you have been robbed. You broke my heart open when you left us. It felt like damnation. It feels like hell and torment, but it isn't a curse because it showers us with the gift that you had in this world. You showed me, you showed us, the beauty of having an open heart that is able to receive love. We watched you and learned from you, and now we feel you, and we feel your love. We know your art, as will the rest of the world, if we do our part. We will love you and each other like it's an art. London, we love you. We love you. We love you so much with all of our broken, beautiful, and bottomless hearts. Thank you. Thank you.